Welcome to Infinite Discussion, the show where we cut through the small talk and discuss the things that are most important to us. I'm your host, Will. I'm a writer and content creator, and what's important to me is art. Joining me today is special guest, artist, art educator, and all-around wonderful human being, my sister, Brooke. I am Brooke Folly. I am a visual arts educator, and I've taught many grade levels, but right now I teach at a K-4 through school. Before that, I was a potter. Before that, I taught at a ECE, which is early childhood education, otherwise known as preschool, through eighth grade school. I've taught in three different states, and I've been focusing on visual arts for about 14 years as an educator. I also consider myself an artist, and because of the nature of my job teaching small children everything, I consider myself a multimedia artist. That is one of the rare blessings and joys of teaching small children. I still get to use everything. That's awesome. Yeah, you've had experience with all different kinds of art and all different mediums and all different ages as well. Like kids must be a whole different, a whole different ball game thinking about, I don't know what, what's going to come out of their heads. Yes. They're, they are some of the bravest creators I think that are out there. They're doing this just because they're not even sure why. Sometimes I usually try and tell them, but they're not sure why we're doing it, but they will just charge right in. And I think the bravest creators I've ever met are kindergartners. I can see that they're younger and they have less, I guess, preconceptions about what they should do and more just kind of gut instinct. I'm just going to make stuff. Exactly. They're in it for the joy of sensory growth, right? Their spongy brains are soaking up everything they can and they love making things and they have no, yeah, no feeling of failure. Yeah. And I think that's really important with creativity too, to be not afraid to just make stuff and see where that stuff takes you. Yes, for sure. And that's a really interesting thing, like thinking about art in general and, you know, like where it comes from, like what inspires us to create things and to, to want to see these ideas that we have in our head realized or to create things that weren't in our heads, but to figure out, you know, what, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what's going on around us. Yeah. And I think for me, when I think of what art is, you hit on the biggest idea, which is the idea expressed, right? And what artists are always trying to push is what idea really means, I think. And that's where we end up with some trouble of like expression versus conceptualism, But I think art is always the expression of another thing, like an idea, no matter how rote the idea is. Yeah, that's cool. Like it's this, almost this source of creativity. Like it's this driving thing that you're working towards. And I like this idea of like, that idea of like a sculptor seeing the thing in the the object and like chiseling away until it emerges. I like to think of creativity and making things in general as kind of is kind of like that. It's having this thing in your head and trying to get it out. And I, I guess that's that idea that you're talking about. Yeah, whatever the spark is, the light bulb. And then I think it does get confusing because as people push the envelope, which is what 
we as artists love to do. You can become a splatter painting whiz and sell those things for a million dollars. But then is that an idea or is that just action coming out of you? But I think ultimately what ends up as the artifact is the expression. And it always comes from somewhere. And that would be the what I'm considering to be the idea. In that case, like, are you saying the idea is the action itself, like the actual act of creating more than any one concept or something along those lines? So is an idea expressed? Does expression come before idea or does idea come before expression? I think you can juggle those words around depending on how you like to put things grammatically. But I think if we're talking about the expression of an idea, it's very different than than talking about, I made this, and this is why, and here's my artist statement. But often enough, the artist does this in this way. They create the art, and then they're forced for some exhibit to write their artist statement. And I cannot tell you how many artists I've talked to about the frustration of an artist statement, because I think in, in putting words to something that is really supposed to spark some kind of guttural, visual, pure reaction, right? You hate to put those words in because ultimately you're taking away from someone's experience of this idea. It's not just your idea. You're trying to have it become part of someone else's idea too. Yeah, that's a really interesting point too, like thinking about not just the creation of art, but the, I don't know what the right word, but like the consumption of it, being a viewer and taking it in and having an experience with that idea realized in reality. And, and that experience of the idea is, is just as much interpreting it, but on the reverse side. Yeah. So as a writer, what do you think the difference is between what you would define art as a more inclusive kind of definition that would encompass not just like, I think music, art, and dance fit mm. really nicely into idea and expression and ideology and all that. But I wonder where you would fit writing in, because I'm not sure that really does the trick. I mean, maybe for poetry, but I'm not sure. That's a good question. And yeah, like you're pointing out, you can break down everything and you can break down writing into all different forms of writing, whether it's literally expressing an idea and saying what that idea is trying to put it into words or whether it's like you said like poetry and like tapping into again more of that kind of guttural creativity that you were speaking about earlier so I don't know but I think a lot of it does kind of come down to that idea of again figuring out what is this idea what is this thing you're trying to bring into the world and sometimes that thing is figuring out the thing but but you're right like it is different because like you were talking about the artist statement being I don't know almost detracting from a visual experience whereas in writing that is the experience is trying to to say what it is but there's also the the flip side again of the consumer to use that kind of awkward term again that is reading a piece of writing and their experience shouldn't be exactly the same as the writer or often isn't. It's more about interpreting the, those ideas again on the flip side. Yeah. So I was at a gallery yesterday and the exhibit was called Diversity Machines. 
And it was a really interesting kind of just um, presentation or what are the people called who curators, the curators have put together this exhibit that includes a little quote by the artist. And then this long blurb from the museum curator of whatever they're thinking mm -hmm. is important here. And by the time you got through with all this text, you're walking over to this, it's all tech art. It's all like screens and computers and you can click a mouse and go through identity questions and all this, all these multifaceted kind of interactive exhibits, great. But by the time you got to this end of this text, it became something very sterile almost and it lost that sort of tangible, all encompassing, I'm in this feeling and it became something else. And I don't know if that's, I think that just comes from some academic notion that people will need to be guided because this is really important and they're not gonna, you know, somehow pick up on that themselves or the understanding that, well, maybe academics are coming through here and they will really appreciate this. But it's interesting to think about this this curating thing that happens in a visual space that's necessary. It's even standardized for students. And then the reality is people just walk right through the hallway. They blare, blaze right through the hallway. The teacher's trying to get to the bathroom. And then maybe they see one really cool letter of the alphabet. We have Jasper John's famous, it's a really famous kindergarten unit, letters on display. And later on they come by and they see another letter. So, you know, like their experience of this, they are not going to have time to get a sign. Right. They're not going to have time to read a small print thing. A big title is much appreciated, but signage is sort of a very different thing. And that could just come from the setting, but I think there's more to it. I think there's some kind of thing going on that it wasn't always, you know, like hmm. the progression through time of what art really is and becoming this commodity for the consumer and then sort of losing the original consumer. Right. I guess kings and queens would commission art, rich people would commission art. But then before that, there were people painting in caves for some kind of, you know, perhaps spiritual ceremony that would be participated in. And now we're on the other side, the other end. And, and what is this art we have? There's definitely some kind of, you know, you can go to TJ Maxx and pick yourself up a nice pretty canvas and hang it on the wall. You can you can do that, right? You can get your king and queen art, pretty affordable these days. And then there's this other side, the, the gallery side of what art is. And I think there are people in the fine art world that would really contest a definition of art that would include what, what a kindergartner is when mm -hmm. they're looking at and dealing with paint, that maybe that's not the product we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like in terms of art itself, mm -hmm. that's really interesting. And then it's so hard to break these things down. And it's so, I don't know, it's easy to break them down, but it's also easy to make them a holistic kind of thing. Like when you were talking about writing earlier and my mind went to creative writing versus writing for money, 
versus writing like technical writing like it's the writing is a tool in that case and I feel like art can be seen in that way too like it's it's this set of tools that you can use to create something mass produced that's sold in TJ Maxx or it can be something that you use to express something deep inside of you that you don't know if anyone will ever see but it needs to come out of you and it's all of these things and it's a, a child's experience of paint like you said it's it's all of these things but each one is kind of different and it, it's hard to know where to draw the line or if you should even maybe it's enough just to make the distinction and know that there are different types of art or i don't know how do you think of of that kind of distinction like like should art be any one thing or should we try to define it as a whole and say all of these things are art or should we say that's kind of a separate way of applying this way of looking at the world yeah well I think um there is the fine art and that that has its place for sure and it's important but that I guess the the crowd that is buying art for massive amounts of money depends on fine art existing as something kind of separate, I think, mm. if that makes any sense. And it doesn't mean separate in that they don't sometimes, the patronage doesn't sometimes embrace what they found in a man's garage or, you know, but it's definitely filtered through an elite. Mm -hmm. And it's not that, there, yeah, I guess I didn't say that quite right. It's not that there is only one kind of art or that expression doesn't come out in a thousand different ways. But there's something going on with patronage that is still very limiting. Um, in the exhibit that I saw, Diversity Machines, it was fascinating to think about what patronage looks like for digital art in social media or identity in social media. And a big part of what's going on now in the arts movement is thinking about what digital representation of identity has done to diversity. Whoa. And that's, yeah, that's a big theme going on. So it was nice to see an exhibit that created a safe space for Black trans people and a place that was focused on actually the essential elements were big buzzy ones there were queer issues and they were black identity questions and those were sort of like the heavy representation inside of this which makes sense because i'm based in buffalo new york and those are two things that are going on here and keep going on and keep going on just big parts of the puzzle that haven't been represented in the same way. Looking at that space and that safe space was great. And then, you know, seeing these little mounts on the wall was really affirming for me. And there's this other part of me that is like, did I spend as much time reading that as I did looking at the exhibit? Interesting. And then the educator in me is going, that's okay. <laughs> it's about your own experience. But another part of me had it all kind of explained away. Mm. And I don't know if I would have even connected some of these 
without the blurps from the curator or curators with the issues that were being presented. That's really interesting. It, my mind just went a million places as you were describing <laughs> that. You brought up so many interesting things, but no, no, it was me, like all the ramifications. And but like what's coming to mind now is this kind of idea of interpreting art and interpreting another person's view. And I think part of that comes from a curator or someone wanting to help you interpret it and to not miss those things, like you said. But it also comes from, I don't know, trying to, uh, I'm thinking of like Oscar Wilde had this essay called The Critic as Artist, which was kind of about that, about like interpreting a work and the, the critic being the person who's viewing it or reading it or whatever the case may be there you know it was about that getting at that idea from that viewer perspective and and that being art in itself from the other side and I don't know I feel like this was going somewhere when you when you were <laughs> when you were talking about it I was like this makes this makes sense this is tying in but now I'm losing it I, I'm having yeah I tend to diverge because as a visual person I think without a visual anchor mm -hmm. can get so lost in words. And that's really, I think the impression that was left on me from that gallery that I can't quite get past was that, was this a visual experience? Was this mm -hmm. really about the art? Or that's I guess it was, but it was a very different kind of museum experience. Right. And it's very strange because you had, you know, like here I am at this computer clicking this mouse to try and figure out this man's identity through his black ancestry. It's really interesting. And I'm not sure I'm flipping cards back and forth, but they're, you know, they're digital. They're not actual physical cards. So I'm, I'm dealing with that and I'm doing that and I'm not quite getting it. So I stand up and I read this thing and read, oh, okay. All right. Now I get it. And it just felt like this kind of guilt as this visual person. Mm -hmm. So this is so contextual. And they put in all this work and created this huge, you know, it's programming. It's, you know, it's some it's animated. That, this mm -hmm. is incredible digital effort. And it's missing the mark for me. Interesting. So, Yeah. I guess all that is to say, sometimes a nice kindergarten handprint, just real clear statement, Bobby's into red today. Uh -huh. Sometimes for me, that is a really good kind of art to be presented with because Bobby Jr. handprint, I can write that label. Yeah. I can and do you don't that. have to explain <laughs> it away to do so. No. And the infinite value in a child's handprint, right? It's changing every second, pretty much. Well, kind of every second. A lot. As yeah. the paint dries, it will change rapidly. I think it will be different. That's so, true. yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that I kind of remembered where I wanted to go with that idea, which was that I think there's this sense <laughs> kind of that in interpreting art, it almost kind of cheapens the experience or it feels like it takes something away from your experience as the viewer of the art if someone tells you what to think about it because I think what makes it so powerful to to look at art to interpret it to read something 
And is yeah. that these ideas are entering your head and you have a creative process to interpret them. And that's what makes them so powerful and can really stick with you or change your mind or give you a whole new experience that you wouldn't have had elsewhere without encountering this piece of art because you're, you are experiencing, you're having an experience. And if someone tells you what the experience is, you're, you're losing that. You're not having that deep connection with it. You're just saying, oh, this person told me this. And it becomes less about your experience and it has less impact on you, I think, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And if we we look at what is impactful, a lot of the time it's something that either is represented in a certain way in a certain time or connects very, very intimately. So then if you end up in an exhibit that's about a specific population, you have to overcome that intimate connection. Like I might've connected with it in one way because of who I am, but there might've been a whole bunch of people who it could be completely lost on them. Totally. And then where are we? Because we have to have artist quotes and long interpretive texts from curators. <laughs> A blessing and a curse. A blessing and a curse. But the thing that's great is that the, that that package of what art is will shift again and again and again. And it's shifted so rapidly, right? And it's just picking up momentum all the time. Oh, yeah. Here's, a, yeah. here's a work of art that was interesting. So I'm walking through this gallery and there's this piece that is an excerpt tape taken from a Google or even call it, was it a symposium? They were presenting something new, like the okay. new software that was going to do the little subtext that rolls across the bottom of your screen. And it's based on human voice rather than on digital sounds. Hmm. So they are working out how to do this, the subtitles in a new way for the okay. hearing impaired. And they're showing this guy introducing it. And it's so funny because the guy is talking and he's like, and I'd like to thank, and you see the subtext and he'll say things like Frank Benjamin. And he'll say, the, sub, the little subtitles will say, Frank and Bean. <laughs> it's totally off. And oh, the no. whole entire work of art was this guy talking about how great these new subtitles are gonna be. And every name he was acknowledging was just like completely mm. by the voice technology. Mm. So the work of art was just sitting there watching this massive fail and bringing attention to the massive fail. Yeah, so when you talk about what is art, I think it's really just in its essence, it's, it's this thing that you've captured and you've put down. And it becomes the idea if it isn't already. So it's kind of an expression of an idea at the basest form. Yeah. That might be exactly what you said earlier. And I just finally, it finally went through my thick skull. <laughs> you know what? I keep coming back to it. I keep coming back to it like it's an anchor because it's one of those big questions that I think we want to poke at it and we want to 
Yeah. We want to take it and we want to change it and skew it. And maybe we can get away from it being an idea and turn it into something more action-based, something Jackson Pollocky or mm-hmm. something, you know, more visceral or more guttural than even an idea. That's what I was just wondering too, because yeah, we talked about that earlier and I was wondering like, does it have to be an idea? And, but then again, if it isn't, if it isn't an idea that you know, but you're creating through action or something, maybe that still is an idea in some abstract way. It's, and I keep coming back to the idea of experience, which is maybe just a different way to phrase it. Right. Like maybe it's an experience. It's, it's getting this moment. Like we talked about photography mm-hmm. a couple week or two ago and how like it's capturing this one specific moment and how this one person saw it. And maybe it's, that's an idea too, I think, but maybe it's that experience. It's sharing this moment or this feeling or this idea. And I don't know if all of those are ideas or if they're different things. It goes back to that idea of like, is art, you know, all of the subcategories of art or is it one thing or another? Yeah, well, and I think there's there's this thing of people creating art in their homes. Like, So if you look up how to paint, you know, like how to paint a beautiful painting of a bird on a tree branch, probably a bluebird. So I better look up bluebird and probably a cherry branch. So I better look up cherry uh-huh. branch. You follow it step by step by step by step. Is that art? Right, or like paint by number kind of thing. And I think for me, the answer is always yes, because it doesn't even have to be your idea to be an idea expressed. And probably at some point, your voice is going to come through there, either either in your like uncertainness as you twist that brush and you bump that bird's head and then you try and smooth it over about 20 times and you can't quite get it. That's still going to have your own penmanship and your own impact, but it's still an idea. Mm, that's really interesting. Yeah, there's a whole strain of art that is just the artist telling the craftsman what to make, right? Hmm. And then I guess why that takes me back to art history, like I mentioned earlier, the art that, you know, I'd like to hire this artist to build me a statue of me for my sake, thank you. And I'd like it to look like this and X, Y, Z. No, it doesn't off with your head kind of thing. That king becomes the artist in a modern context. And then Hmm. we get really confusing. But art is always the expression, even if the the artist might be a little bit blurred. And the beautiful thing is you can take that into an Asian context where artists may or may not sign their work, but the collector puts their stamp on. And it's the collector's view of the idea that is named like, my art. I didn't make it, but I bought it for my collection (laughs) and then that collection becomes a collection of ideas I guess that has its own viewpoint yeah so I think the consumer or the viewer is really critical to what we think of and how we exist in an art space Mm -hmm. and I I think uh I don't know and what is thought of as western 
thinking, right? We have the artist is this lone individual who's like this hero, probably often tragic, you know, mm-hmm. poor Vincent and he sold how many paintings and he was poor and it's hard. And he made this amazing things people don't understand, but now we do and all these things. And I think there's truth in honoring one person's perspective. But then if you look at what's going on behind Vincent and, you know, potentially the introduction of some of the Asian stylistic devices that are going on inside of the art and the, his brother, oh my gosh, like what an admirable patron in some ways. His brother was supporting Vincent, even though it seems like nobody else even really cared to for whatever reason. So yeah there you have it there's vincent and he's like the way we classically understand art and i I really am enjoying trying to change that a little bit and look at communities who create art together and that's such an important part of history that somehow the education system or the i should say art ed is not really tailored in curriculum to match what's actually represented because we look at cave art and a lot of a lot of what we're seeing could be a compilation of many people's works mm-hmm. so it's a collective effort and it's a representation and then you you look at um some of the galleries in particular in san francisco a group of people kids moms there are even babies there according to one book i read <laughs> we're working on painting their neighborhood and reviving it and uh it's their collective mind that accomplished these great feats, but then it's a little bit harder to sell somehow in the culture. And I get dinged sometimes for not going over the specific name of this person who's, haven't you talked about Keith Haring? Because we have this Keith Haring. Well, I love Keith Haring. I mean, I think they're going to learn about Keith Haring. Uh, Keith Haring is important in culture here so i think they're going to find out about this artist and this story but will they actually find out about people and groups and Mm -hmm. what it takes to even make some paint and ship it and (laughs) bring it to a place and resources and the complexity of it all there's many i guess many hands touch any work of art at any step along the way and brains too. Well said. There are many hands that are going into this business. Let's make a work of art about it. Let's do. What would it look like? Let's see, what supplies will we use? Wait, is it an art about art or is it an art about community? It's an art about- What's the idea? it's, It's the art about how many hands, many hands touch this work of art. I'm picturing a mural. <laughs> okay. And so we're going to need paint. Yeah. And uh, we'll have to make sure it comes from China or somewhere. Okay. And get uh, some kindergartners to put handprints on the wall to represent the hands. Okay. We can start down low. Like yeah. Old art. Maybe they can even do like blow prints. Well, that would be cool. Of their hands. And, and then they build and go up the wall, building on each other with different people's hands until they eventually become digital and they end in a um, 
like a yeah. big screen. Like, have you seen those like big billboards that look like a realistic thing, like a wave or something inside a building? It'll it, it'll have yeah. that. Yeah, that sounds good. And what if? So then somehow we make it interactive. So one thing that was that Ooh, cool. yesterday, they had these tiny little speakers that would shoot down from way up high and they just land on one point where you were standing. So, so I got like really stuck on like, so if I move my head this way, I hear it in this ear. If I move my head, I hear it in that ear. And if I'm here, Whoa. it's like a funnel of noise that shoots right down on you. Like super tiny, super high powered speaker. That's cool. Anyway, so we're going to have that too. There'll be different okay. things that you can stand. But That's what is it going to awesome. say? What are the words that are going to make me question the exhibit? It's going to have another entire wall that's just describing it all. Yes. <laughs> Too much. Every hand will have one word of the sentence. Yeah. So the creator will have to be like, okay, I'm going to compile all these handprints into words and list them so that the person can understand the message behind the art. Yeah. This is good. And we'll have exactly 1,000 words of description to get at that old saying, a picture is worth a thousand words. Yes, there'll be a thousand handprints, each one with yes. one word inside. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We got it. Where will we put it? I don't know. I'm picturing it on the side of a building in like a prominent place, but I don't know where. Or maybe it's digital and you can see it from literally anywhere. It yeah. lives on the internet. It lives on the internet, but yeah. you have to stand on one The original version. The original version. Like, open access anyone can access it you don't need whatever those digital currencies are they have these days right you don't need those anyone can can own it and have it and see it and no one can own it at the same time <laughs> we can do some kind of like bob ross style paint night which is like make your own hand wall oh yeah oh yeah if if this is the case and it's digital, anyone could send their hand in to be incorporated. That's and it true. could just grow over time. Yes, you could, and it could be for a cause. So like you can have your hand, your digital hand on the wall of hands. If you pay, I don't know, for something. Yeah, if you make a donation yeah. for- Hands, hands for money. art. Hands for art. <laughs> <laughs> It's almost a thing. <laughs> this must already be a thing. Yeah, it's hands for art. It has to be a thing. H F A. No, I'm gonna Google it. Cool. I feel like hands for art must. Oh, well, you know, no words. It had to be hands, and then the number four. Number and then the four. Oh, hands number four. Oh, hands number four. Art is not coming up. Yes. But hands for art. Four is too like a generic, too generic of a word that that's not really coming up. But hand, it's not really coming up. Art hands. Art hands. Yeah. Come on, we have to rip somebody off. Yeah, it's not a good idea if someone hasn't thought of it. Before. So we may have original thought based on children's handprints. <laughs> yes. Wow. Oh, but this brings up an idea that I think about a lot, which is 
it's really just about expression, but this takes, goes into the musical arts in this example, um, which do you know the band, The Flaming Lips? Yes. There's a quote from their lead singer that's something along the lines of, like when he was starting to create music, he thought about how there's so much great music out there in the world. Why try to make something that sounds like anything else? Mm -hmm. So that's why he started making really experimental music is because he figured if I make this really different stuff that no one's heard before and it's awful, the world still has all the good music that already exists. But if I happen to make one great new song out of a hundred new, out of a hundred bad songs, that's one great new song that the world now has that it didn't before. And I think that's a really cool way to look at creating things and kind of getting messy yeah, and not trying to, I don't know, not trying to emulate something else, but trying to come up with something really unique and different. So I was at the end of the day, the music teacher came in and one of the great joys of teaching elementary school arts is that my team is a musician, a dance teacher, mm -hmm. and me, and every now and then a theater teacher. And so we come from these really vastly different disciplines, but they're yeah. all very inspiring. So I was showing the music teacher some paintings that the first graders did listening to the rites of spring. But yeah, they were listening to that and they were painting it and it came out beautifully. There's beautiful compositions. And um, she said, somehow it reminded her of a musician uh, and I'm connecting that to what you said because a musician interlaced two different keys, right? So uh, like a la 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 and a, like a major and a minor or something and played these two different melodies together. And I'm imagining like backwards and forwards and forwards and backwards. Mm -hmm. and, and there are these moments where it just works out and it doesn't work out. But one of the melodies he actually stole from another composer, but he did it on purpose just to kind of prove a point. He's making something new with something old. Okay. So combining two different things. And I guess ultimately that's, you know, that collaborative effort is kind of what a curator brings to any work of art. It's a, a voice and a perspective and it's, it's going to resonate or not, right? So there's that beautiful moment of dissonance that I have in these exhibits. And I actually really love that feeling of, of like, why am I looking at this text? What's going on? Oh, this tension, this tension. And the artist in me just loves that stuff, right? These moments of things that rub up against things and, and make something new. And I think it's all very good. Right. What is this tension? What is this tension? And how can I make it into the hands for art? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that makes me think too, again, of, like I write a lot of book reviews and I think a lot about, again, this idea of what is a critic's place in interpreting art. And I think it's really to help people approach things with the right mindset, maybe more than anything, or to, to be open to things or to know what to expect or what not to expect. And it's, it's really interesting because it's quite different with a book in terms of it's almost easier to not influence people's minds about something because there's this whole idea in storytelling, whether it's in film or 
TV or books of the spoiler alert, right? Like you don't want to spoil things. So you don't want to give away the big things. You want to just kind of <laughs> paint this picture to use an art metaphor of the thing as a whole and give people an idea of how to approach it or what to expect when they go into it, but not to give away what it means or what it is. It's just kind of a tool to let people know if this is something that might interest them more than anything. And I do read the back of books to get a feeling for yeah. if I want to jump in or not, right? Yeah. And I feel like the, the exhibits, that little blurb is something that is supposed to kind of advertise or help you conceptualize things that are very, very difficult sometimes. Right. And there's that fine line of like, how do you do that without explaining it or like without stepping on the toes of the person who's going to be viewing it but just give them a, a helpful nudge but not shape their experience not color it in any way to make them have any kind of preconception about it yeah and that is tricky i think that's as tricky with music and dance as it is with mm -hmm. visual art too i think it's very very tricky because you don't want to skew someone's preference in the sense like right. it's supposed to be a sensory experience but you don't want to you don't want to totally like bring in the wrong crowd because you bring in the wrong crowd to the wrong rally yeah yeah but hands for art is for everyone hands for artists forever there is no wrong crowd for hands for art. <laughs> that's true we've appealed to the, the sort of art elitist Mm -hmm. that causes me problems in my line of work that makes me just an elementary school teacher rather than a fine artist and there's the the, the moms mm -hmm. who have sanctified handprints for generations to the beginning of our yes our history as humans and then definitely like the up-and-coming but also like the mob artists just who need that poster of Starry Night on their college dorm and things like that. I think we've cut it all. Yeah, it encapsulates everything. Yeah. Well, I think we've we've pretty much solved art. Is there anything else you want to to say or to speak to today? Well, thanks. It's been nice talking with you about art. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. Like I I really enjoyed how we touched on like a lot of things without even, I don't know, like it's all connected, right? Like social exploded. aspects. Yeah. All of these things. I like exploding. It's pretty fun because you never know what you're going to get. You find out what the idea is as, as the dust settles. Yeah. Speaking of the steam teacher and I are working on a collaborative piece, mm. in which she will shake the Mentos in the pot cans, but I will put pigment into the pop can and then it will Whoa. erupt onto something and we'll have a science art again. Well, it's, it's cool too how collaboration, what is the word I'm looking for here? Like cross curricular. Yeah. Cross curricular art can be like it it touches everything it can be part of everything like it can combine and and science can be art and music can be art and literally anything is there anything that can't be art that's my <laughs> my final question to you 
Yes. <laughs> have a bulletin board all about is it art? And I try and find things that aren't art to put up there. So I put up this leaf and I was like, is it art? No, no, because it wasn't made by people. And so it's not art. And then you have that one kid who's like, well, the tree made it. <laughs> and they've just read the giving tree. So then you have to be like, yes. Okay. But I think I could argue that things that are not, that art is sort of a human commodity. It's a yeah. human product. So things that are made by nature, unless you really have a God who is pretty much a human, mm -hmm. could arguably be not the thing that we're talking about right now. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think you demonstrated the point well, but just to play devil's advocate, <laughs> I feel like the act of you, like it's like a found object kind of situation and like the act of you selecting this one leaf that you thought would illustrate your point <laughs> was kind of art in itself of like presenting it and how you hung it up on the wall. And it was that idea. It was the idea of what's not art maybe that transformed it into art. Well, yeah, I think, I think probably some of our best installation artists are teachers. Their whole room is always mm -hmm. a work of art in progress. It's yep. always changing. It has great purpose and intention, at least hopefully. And it's hopefully it's beautiful. So I think creating spaces is definitely a form of art. But I also think, you know, a mineral that I've ground up to be shipped to, you know, south of France to a mill that will produce a certain kind of vermilion. Mm -hmm. Bob Ross painting that I'm doing, you know, a million miles away, that mineral may not be a form of art. It might just be a commodity at that point. That makes sense. It wasn't an idea. It was just a <laughs> thing that existed in and of itself, I guess. Yeah, I, I, we have this ongoing sort of argument that there is a difference between process and doing something. And I think we've started off there. I was like, no, process is different than just random acts of doing. Mm. And process is like something with intention. But I think that person has completely convinced me that I am wrong and that process is actually anything. Because oh. anything you do involves some kind of process. Process can be a form of just doing something. Like it can be a loose process, I guess. Is that the idea? Yeah. So if you have this mineral, mm -hmm. this random mineral, mineral, and you take it and you blast it on something with intention, and even the act of blast blasting counts as intention now, mm -hmm. the thing that it's blasted onto is art. But before you've picked that thing up and then represented it in a different form, I'm not sure that that's what we're talking about. I think it is a thing without... A human intent behind it which is very beautiful <laughs> we need more of that i think in the world but until it has that mark of intent it gets to be itself i like that <laughs> Good. i'm glad it made sense i think maybe i made the mark of intent yes, the mark of intent <laughs> Cool. Well, I guess we'll wrap up there for today. And if you have more ideas about art, we can always revisit them in a subsequent episode. 
but do you have anything else you want to leave us with today or any anything you want to anything i would just say if something looks a little weird that someone's made you can read the curator's statement or you can just reach for deep understanding and empathy that's an important one yeah then you know you might end up with a starry night in your family that's worth a million dollars later on well thanks for thanks for talking with me it's been good thank you i really appreciate you taking the time to talk art with me just like the good old days my pleasure my pleasure i have to confess i knew this would be a great discussion from the start but i was still impressed by how it gave me so many new kind of tools to help me look at art and interpret it and to understand what I think it is. And I hope it's given you some things to think about as well. I think those are my favorite kind of discussions, the kind that answer some questions that you have, but also leave you with more questions to keep you curious, to make you keep asking, to keep thinking, and to keep the discussion going. And on that note, if you have any thoughts you'd like to share about this discussion, we'd love to hear from you. You can email your responses to this episode or ideas for future discussion topics to infinitediscussionpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you come back to join the discussion soon. See you next time. Mm-hmm.